Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Phenomena, where we look at women who have been underrepresented or written out of Irish history. I am Maria Butler. And I'm Shauna Lee Lynch. And this week, Shauna's going to talk to us about... I'm going to talk to you about Lola Montez, a.k.a. Elizabeth Gilbert. Now, it's not the Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. This Elizabeth, or Eliza, Eliza Gilbert, uh, was eating, praying and loving and doing a lot more way before uh, the modern one. And she's also known as Lola Montez, which we will get to later and her name was Lola, and she was indeed a showgirl. Um, <laughs> but she was born on the 17th of February, 1818, in Grange in County Sligo, to an Irish woman, Eliza Oliver, and an English soldier, Ensign Edward Gilbert. So he was a junior officer in the Navy, and he was stationed in Cork, I think. I don't know how they ended up in Sligo. That part isn't very clear. But her mom's dad so her, Eliza's grandfather was a, a member of parliament here and he was also the high sheriff of Cork so the mom was from pretty pretty good family so her dad came to to Cork as a part of there was a lot of sergeant soldiers stationed here mm-hmm. and they met and they got married they got married in 1820 and in 1821 Elizabeth Rosanna Gilbert was born then they spent a short spell of time in Liverpool before he was then stationed in India. So when she was two years old, they shipped off to India. But by the time they got there, her dad had contracted cholera and he was really, really sick. He was at the final stages of it by the time they got to India. So he never, he was dead by the time his first day of work was due to start. Dead on arrival, some would say. Yes, indeed. Indeed, very much so. But then that left her mother, who was also called Eliza, they uh, they called the daughter after the mother, which was common back then, I suppose. But I always thought very confusing for people, you know. I'm named after my mother. Really? Kind of. I'm named after my mom and after her grandparents. But they're all Marys. Yeah. So mom decided there was too many Marys, so I'm Maria. Maria. Okay, well, that's different a little bit. Yeah, I just always thought that's, that caused confusion. Um, so she was outside Calcutta by herself and she was only 19 and she had a two-year-old baby. So she did what she had to do, what any smart lady, well, what any lady kind of had to do at the time was she found a new husband and they got married. She found a new husband who was Lieutenant Patrick Craigie and he was a Scotsman who was also stationed in India as part of the British Army. And he took Eliza as his wife and the young Eliza in and treated her as his daughter. So he he seemed like a nice man in in some regards. But Eliza, since she was small, had a vicious temper and she was very wild and headstrong. So they couldn't cope with her at all. So they sent her back to Scotland to the step-grandfather. And the step-grandfather had raised nine kids, so they thought that he'd be able to discipline her a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was around six when she was sent back from Scotland, or to Scotland. Uh, one thing that is very important, which I left out, is that when Eliza was born, she was born with kind of a very dark complexion, which apparently wasn't that rare for people in the west of Ireland at the time. Um, because it had some influence there would have been a lot of Spanish merchants and stuff that apparently people 
in Ireland at the time, it wouldn't be that uncommon for people to have a dark complexion, which is important in this part of the story, because when she gets back to Scotland, she's kind of known as this strange Indian girl, and she is kind of treated as a celebrity, and she becomes known for being wild and having a temper, and she endorses the idea that she's Indian Mm -hmm. to other people. Like, she likes it. She likes being the outsider. And she got up to all sorts of mischief uh, in Scotland with living with her grandfather. There's lots of records of her running around naked, um, sticking flowers in men's wigs during mass, (laughs) um, all sorts of tricks and, and things like that. So they then couldn't really cope with her either there. So her aunt Catherine had set up a boarding school in Sunderland. So at the age of 10, they sent her there. So she's 10 years old and she's already been kind of shipped all over the place, like literally in very long ships, because she was very strong-willed already at a very young age and they just didn't really know what to do with her. I can't help but think of the Brontes for all of this. Yeah. So starting with like Liverpool and then you've got that whole Heathcliff thing. Then you've got like Kathy running around the moors going mad. Then you've got the whole Jane Eyre aspect of being sent to the boarding school. So yeah, whole, actually. So, so far, so Bronte. <laughs> so far, so Bronte. Yeah. I love her already. I must say, this lady, she may be my favorite that I researched so far. I, I like her. She's wild and it, and it only gets further, it only gets more. <laughs> So then when she, so she was living in the boarding school in Sunderland and there she started studying the basics of dance and French was also treated as their first language. So she was learning, learning some things. And in 1837, her mother came back from India to tell her that she was to go back to India with her, where she would be wed to the Admiral General of Bengal, who was 64. So she hadn't seen her mother in like 10 years. She comes back and says, you're coming with me to get married. To this old dude. To this very old, old dude. And she says, nope. And uh, she wasn't about that life at all. So she eloped to Ireland with a 30-year-old soldier, Thomas James, who she married on her arrival to Dublin. And he was English as well. They didn't stay in Ireland long, though, and he then was posted to India as well. So all of her fate and destiny seemed to lead back to India, even though she tried to get away from it. Their marriage was very unhappy, and he would physically abuse her for her quote-unquote willfulness. And uh, much to the horror of her mother, she left him to go back to England, and it was on this trip her scandalous reputation got its seedlings. So... She came back and it was a very long trip on the boat at the time because you had to go around Africa apparently and uh, it, it would take, it was a long journey. And on this trip she met George Lennox, an English aristocrat and her husband found out and now he now had grounds for divorce and he named her as an adulteress which was scandalous at the time. And she wasn't trying to keep it a secret or anything apparently she was quite open like with her affair on this boat with this man, this high up man and word got back and he wanted to, to divorce her which I think by the sounds of it was very rare at the time mm-hmm. and caused a certain amount of scandal around her but what was weird about it is in the marriage or sorry the divorce settlement or agreements or what have you he put in a clause saying neither of them could ever get married once the other was alive 
which as we mentioned yeah that's looking to get murdered it's crazy it is it is just asking like funnily enough though i don't think she did that she did a lot of things she didn't do that it's funny though as well because obviously she mustn't have her saying this divorce mustn't have meant anything because she wouldn't have agreed to that you know so it was just he that did it and the clause was in it and she either had to sign it or didn't even have the option to because she didn't agree to that my understanding back in those days is that and i correct i could be wrong so correct me if i'm wrong but my understanding is that back in those days you were the property of your husband once you got married okay so that would make sense then that he just he could just put in this clause and nobody was going to say anything to him yep um that would make sense and it's we talked in a few episodes about how marriage was a currency or a commodity you know two women because that was the only option so for him to put that in that super screwed her over like it was really the first of all she was labeled an adulteress in a divorce court and shocked victorian britain because this was this made it into the papers like this, this i think it had to back in those days i think yeah. the part of a divorce was that you had to publish yeah something in the papers and the mother apparently was mortified and like started dressing in black and mourning her daughter as if she was dead it was very dramatic like but yeah that really would have screwed her over because not only was she labeled as a hoe but she couldn't get married again so she was what else was she to do get thee to a nunnery get thee to a nunnery well she didn't do that but she did start dancing for money and she loved dancing as a child. Um, but her life in England was very difficult when she got there because everybody knew of her life and Warrant did not approve of her. So she went off to Spain for a few years and it's believed she trained in the basics of dance. Now this is where things get really interesting. Nobody heard from her for a few years, like completely nothing. There's no record of what she did, what have you. But then she returned as Lola Montez so I love it. It's very like drag or it's very like Phoenix or something. It's like, I love this is what happened. She resurfaced and had a whole new persona. She denied her history to the press and claimed to be born in Seville in 1823 of Spanish aristocracy. Her first appearance in London was a hit. Thunderous applause and rave reviews in the paper. I was like, why is she in the, why was she having to say in the paper where she was from? But this is why. What brought her so much attention is that when she got to London, she'd put on a show and she danced in what became known as her trademark, the spider dance, which was a f- like a version of the and of an Italian dance and a Spanish dance, but it was far more provocative than the normal style of those. I'm just imagining, you know, the exorcist where she like yeah. goes back on the stairs. It's kind of like I know that's not what it probably was, <laughs> but I'm just imagining her like scuttling like, like that on very the stage. sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and what it actually was was an act where she would act like there was a spider in her clothes and start taking off her clothes to get the spider out. Ah. And often she would have nothing on underneath. So it was yeah, be scandalous. Yeah. So it was kind of one of the early. She's an early burlesque dancer, really. You know. Some people recognised her as the adulteress Eliza James and then she had to tell the papers of who she was, which is when she told them of her Spanish heritage, this native Spanish heritage. What's gas though is that they recognised her as an adulteress. Like, it's, again, it's very like tabloidy, very kind of, you know, on the cover of 
the Daily Star mirror or whatever, <laughs> you know. It's like they recognised her on stage as an adulteress, so it was big news. But then that made her fame amplify. They said that when she lifted up her dress, she didn't have on any undergarments. People didn't like that. Some people loved it, but a lot of people <laughs> didn't like it. And then they found out who she was and she had to leave London. So on headstuff.org, they have an article about her. And uh, this is what they say about her, which I think is interesting. Though she vigorously defended herself in letters to editors, she was forced to decamp in Paris. The controversy had the effect of amplifying her fame, however, and she snared at least one highly born admirer, Prince Heinrich of Leipzig. He took her as a mistress, and when she proved to be a touch too lively for his taste, he got rid of her by arranging a series of appearances in Dresden, which soon led to an engagement in Berlin. There she met with mixed reception, her sensuality won over the crowd, but her lack of technique and variety offended the critics. <laughs> but the men were absolutely weak for her, as you know, you can you can see why, you can get why. And she ended up dancing for really high up people, including the Tsar of Russia, and she had a meteoric rise. And when she was in Berlin, she attempted to enter the royal enclosure where the Kaiser was reviewing troops, but a guard got in her way and wouldn't let her pass. So she beat him with a whip that she carried. <laughs> and this became a common thing, like chains and whips really did excite her. And uh, often she used them as a weapon to people who got in her way. So she whipped the crap out of this guy and she had to leave. <laughs> she had to leave there because uh, she was going to get arrested. And in 1843, she lived in Warsaw, but soon was deported for starting a feud with the chief of police who also was the manager of the theatre she was supposed to perform in, which is really weird that the chief of police was also the head of the theatre. He was a busy man and an asshole by all accords because he planted people in the audience to boo and hiss at her. But this made her supporters go even more crazy and a riot nearly broke out. And then she made a joke about him and said that he was only outraged at her because she refused his proposals, <laughs> which made him go crazy like completely. And she had to again move on because they were going to kill her. By her own admission, she decided to seek out a high-profile lover, so she set her sights on composer Franz Liszt. He was the most popular musician in Europe at the time. And you gotta love a gal with a plan, to be honest. Like, she was like, I'm gonna get me... Uh, she's like, I'm gonna get me <laughs> rich, high-profile men. Class- <laughs> I'm getting classical Harry Styles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's to be honest, like it's really funny because in a couple of episodes ago we talked about Eliza Lynch, you know, yeah, and we talked about how she met the her husband, uh, or they never married, so the president, the son of the president of Paraguay, and we had this conversation about you know whether or not she did it for power, and I was kind of more on the side of no, they were in love and. You know, I don't think she was doing it for power and it was all romantic. Whereas with this, I'm like, oh, she she set that out. She manifested that shit. <laughs> like she, you know, she she wanted, <laughs> she, she was wanted very it honest so about it. So she didn't it. put a ring on it. Precisely, yeah. There's so many bad pop culture references in Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> to be honest, like, I think of her as like Cardi B or Lil Kim or like, I think if she was around today, she'd be like a rapper on Instagram and stuff. And like, you know, the way a lot of the female rappers are like, 
oh, you know, just bigging up their body and their, their whatever. I'm like, she'd be doing that. She'd pretty dope at it, I think. <laughs> the anaconda slash spider. Yeah. <laughs> natural progression. Talking about all the men she's been with, all the people she pissed off, like starting rap feuds. Like, I think that that is an album I would like to stream. Fuck the police. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> she doesn't dance now she makes money move oh we're so white <laughs> yeah 100% but look um, so she had difficulty arranging a meeting with him but then she did <laughs> there's not much more to be said about that and they hooked up and he fell for her and she travelled around Dresden with him which was one of the kingdoms in Germany when Germany was in Germany and she met a lot of other very famous people, including Wagner, the really cl- composer, uh, famous yeah. composer. And he was one of the only men in all of the records that didn't like her. He thought that she was distasteful and uh, he didn't like her at all. But uh, her and Liszt, they split up a couple of weeks later. But he did hook her up with some people in Paris. So she moved there to do shows without undergarments. So she was very popular. So actually, I was going to say that to you. You might be getting to this already. But you know the Moulin Rouge? Mm. You know the Cancan? Yeah. Notoriously no underwear. Yeah. And it's actually very interesting about this lady because it kind of brings up the theme of sex work and stuff. Like, she was very unashamedly, you know, dancing for money, getting naked and stuff. Whereas at the time, it all would have been behind closed doors to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Because of the stir that it caused, and do you know what year the Moulin Rouge, that kind of stuff? What The Belle Epoque would have been the late 19th century, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, because she was pre this, though, okay. pre that. So it does, it does kind of say she was one of the first Oops. people to especially travel around doing it, you know, to theatres. Like, obviously, it's been going on for a very long time, but it's just been, it was kind of more private, whereas this was making it, it public. Do you know what's making me nervous, though? What? You know that I'm kind of slightly obsessed with syphilis. All of these episodes are making <laughs> me say weirder, weirder. syphilis. <laughs> no, but genuinely, like... Mm. And it was, like, really, really, really prevalent at that time. And, like, not slut-shaming at all. She is free to do whatever she wants, but I'm just like, she must have had syphilis. I don't know, because if she was dancing... Well, she was with these men as well, but... I don't know because now they there are you are beating me to it a little bit, Sorry. but um, would if you got syphilis, wouldn't you? Do you want to hear a funny story? Sure. I as I think we've mentioned, and to be honest, I thought we'd talk about it more, but we haven't. Uh, which is good. But in Buffy, in season four, episode eight, there is a oh first let me preface that by saying I've been obsessed with Buffy since I was eleven. I like hardcore and when I was around 11 I was like binge watching every episode and in season 4 episode 8 there is an episode about Thanksgiving and Native Americans and the appropriation of their culture and you know the problems with uh, everything wrong with Thanksgiving basically and in it the character of Xander awakens a Native American spirit that possesses him or not possesses him kind of plagues him and he gets really ill and they're talking about what might happen him and they talk about smallpox and they talk about syphilis and he's like shivering in it and he's like I think I have syphilis and 
uh, or I think I'm going to get syphilis or something like that. And when I was 11, I, I, was, I didn't know what syphilis was. And I was really sick one time and I had the flu really bad. And when I went to the doctor, they were like, what's wrong with you? And I made a joke being like, I think I have syphilis. And my mother nearly absolutely died. I didn't know what the problem was. I was like, because I thought it was so funny with my adult humor, you know. <laughs> but um, I didn't have syphilis. And the doctor was very skeptical of me then and asked me loads of questions. Fair enough. So that's my, thankfully, that's my only syphilis story. But yeah, no, syphilis, so like loads of people have had it. Apparently Abraham Lincoln had it and Nietzsche had it. And like, there's a reason why... You know, when I was saying, like, a couple of episodes ago where, like, I'd like to... I probably would have been a nun. Yeah. Like, a large part of that is the intense fear I have of syphilis. Of syphilis. It's fair. Your nose rots off your face. Did not know that. Yeah. It can give you brain damage. It sends you... It sends you ins- crazy I knew back. it sent you insane, yeah, because I looked it up afterwards. See, back then we didn't have the internet or anything, so you just say things. That are like, <laughs> But I think as a... I looked it up one time, then as later but I didn't know your nose can rat off your nose can rat off your face good to know yeah. good to know we're condom people they couldn't back then that's I know. why I'm so worried I for mean now <laughs> yeah well maybe she was just a showgirl maybe but I don't know by the sounds of it we'll see so the name of Liz and being her his lover and by reputation of her own charm she soon gained a big following and pressure mounted for her to be allowed to take the stage of the prestigious uh, Paris opera to dance El Oleana, one of the few dances she actually knew. Unfortunately, however, the Parisian audience knew when they saw it, and Lola's lack of skill and experience at the stage she'd been dancing for less than a year, it stood out a lot. Um, so she made two appearances, but wasn't invited back for a third and they knew that she wasn't Spanish, but she was still maintaining this idea that she was from Spanish nobility, you know. So she wasn't really wanted in that 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 side of the elite. So she settled for a more, more bohemian side of Paris society, and she became friends with Alexander Dumas, uh, who was the writer of Three, Three Amigos. Oh, yeah, Three Musketeers. Three Amigos. <laughs> the Three Musketeers and the Count of Mon- Monte, Monte Cristo. Cristo. Yeah. He fell in love with her and he said she is fatal to any man who dares to love her. So, uh, so French. <laughs> yeah, I know. He really fancied her because she showed a surprising talent for pistol shooting. So she was fucking badass. Like, she was pretty, pretty, pretty tough. Like, um, shame she was a bad dancer. Well, yeah, but she was good at, good at shaking things, I think, both in. <laughs> Physical terms and causing a stir. Then she hooked up with the owner of La Presse newspaper, um, Alexander Desjardins. He revived her career, but then he was killed in a duel. He went to a party that she didn't want him to go to and he didn't really want to go to, but he went out of obligation and they were playing cards and some guy, they both got in an argument, so they said they were going to have a duel at dawn, which was, you know, the natural thing to do or the... And neither of them actually wanted to do it then when they woke up in the morning with their hangovers or whatever, but they felt like they had to do it out of pride. And he got killed, and I think the other man might have got killed as well. At least they both had a good shot. Yeah, but like, imagine waking up with a hangover and being like, oh, fuck, I said I'd have a duel with this guy, and then being like, 
Oh, and then them both dying. I feel like that's the kind of thing that would happen to me if I was a man living a few hundred years ago. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. He ordered his stout last <laughs> pistols at dawn. Pistols at dawn. By all means, she was actually in love with him a lot, you know, but with that man. But they were only together a few weeks and he died, which is probably why. She's <laughs> she, alive, yeah. Yeah, she was mad about him. It didn't get bad yet. And so then she moved on to Ger- Germany. But she was forced to leave after doing a public demonstration of how she can hold a knife in her garter. So caused another big stir. She arrived in Munich and had a private appointment with King Ludwig I, who was really into everything Spanish. He seemed to have a bit of a Spanish fetish, especially for Spanish women. And he was absolutely besotted with her and believed she was Spanish and everything else she said. And apparently he was really obsessed with her breasts. And really focused on if they were real or not. Um, so she cut open her dress with the scissors to show him on their first meeting. And from then, it was love at first sight in his <laughs> regard. It's funny because I was like, he, he was obsessed if they were real or not. And I was like, they were hardly boob jobs. But I was like, uh, of course it. That's what I was just yeah, thinking as well. Yeah. I was like, what kind of boob jobs do like, you back there? Like fish or something? I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's what I made up my head. And uh, he wrote all sorts of love poems for her, comparing his love to a volcano that was dormant oh, and now erupting no. and all, all juicy stuff like that, you know? Oh, that's horrific. Yeah. Um, so the king's government was made up of Catholics who were under pressure from a liberal public at the time. And Lola, or Eliza, had a very extravagant lifestyle and loose manner. So obviously the Catholics absolutely hated her and really wanted the, the king to get rid of her. Everybody around the king was not happy with her the king's sister offered her two thousand pounds if she'd just go away and um, but she knew she was on to a much bigger better thing than two thousand pounds so she wasn't going nowhere she hated the catholics as well because of their strict moral stuff and also because she actually would have been born protestant so when she she with english parents but it's so she was still raised with a secular kind of protestant catholic mm-hmm. out out view and they didn't really like her for obvious reasons. Shaking them, shaking them titties. <laughs> Money makers. <laughs> Money makers, yeah. They, she told the king not to listen to the Catholics and he listened to her. And so they all resigned out of protest and published um, some correspondence they found from her from a long time ago in the papers, trying to cause a bit of a scandal. But her hooks were really deep into King Ludwig. So he wasn't, he wasn't listening. The Catholics were pla- replaced with an unstable government who became known as the Lola Ministerium. In 1847, she was attacked by a mob. The English press thought she was great for getting rid of the Catholic power and called her a heroine. In Ireland, the Catholic press called her notorious. Oh no. <laughs> no, 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 no notorious. Uh, I'm telling you, she, should, she could have been a rapper. Uh, she was pushing it too far altogether, really. And in 1847, there were reports of riots against her. She attacked a guard who again tried to stop her entering the king's gardens. <laughs> two times, two different gardens. She she really wanted to get at those gardens. This is Ludwig again, is it? Yeah, well, this is her in, in his grounds. Okay. Yeah, she wanted to go into the gardens and the guard wouldn't let her. So she beat the living crap out of him with her parasol. And that night there were mobs out looking for her. 
Um, she formed a bodyguard unit made up of university students who idolised her. This is pretty baller. Like, uh, She apparently toasted a mob against her with champagne and chocolates. And in 1848, her bodyguards were attacked and she survived an assassination. Pretty. I think, yeah, I'm just... Uh, there's just so many different, like images coming through my head with everything you're talking about it's like getting I back know. into the garden it's like adam and eve finding their way back into eden then there's like marie antoinette then it's just like yeah sorry let's stop <laughs> oh i just have little kim's verse and lady marmalade like i think you know um <laughs> therein lies the difference between me <laughs> exactly that is rap classic literature for sure yeah and as Missy Elliott said, it ain't no shame in the game, ladies. Do your thing. Just make sure you're ahead of the game. Which uh, Elida Lola was very much ahead of the game. So she fled to Switzerland, but then tried to come back again. But chaos ensued. So after four days, she left again. The king was under a lot of pressure from everybody being like, this woman's making everything fall apart. And especially his family and his son, was putting a lot of pressure on him and in the end he decided to listen to his son and he casted Lola aside. He kind of came to his senses, quote unquote, and uh, he realised she was a bit of trouble. (laughs) A bit of trouble. (laughs) Um, So he just dismissed her and they never reconnected again. I don't know what happened there with their government or whatever. She just moved on to the next thing and she moved on to London and married a 20-year-old heir of a fortune, George Trafford Heels. So her husband was dead by now then? No. No, he was not. And uh, I'll get into it. You're ahead of the game, Maria. (laughs) So the family found out, uh, his family hated her. They didn't want her in their life at all because he was a young man and heir of a fortune. And she's a gold digger. (laughs) But at least she's honest about it. The family found out about that her first husband was still alive and she was declared a bigamist. But then she eloped with him anyway. And they travelled around Europe for the next three years. I would love to know what they did, who they talked to, what bars they drank in, what kind of trouble chaos <laughs> ensued. They just remind me of, she reminds me of like Darla or Spike and Drusilla. Spike and Drusilla is what I just was thinking, like yeah. This reign of terror, just going around different cities, wrecking the place, moving on. I love Spike. Yeah. Then they broke up because of her temper and he moved to Lisbon where he drowned three years later and she moved to America. The Cork examiners say that uh, when he left her, he left her in the hands of not one but two French gentlemen. I mean, why not? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) The more the merrier. Twice the money, twice the fun. Uh, ooh la la. She got in more fights over there and she would write letters to the press all the time to defend herself. So she was like a tabloid figure, you know. She arrived in New York amid much fanfare and publicity and the idea of a real-life femme fatale who had toppled the kingdom set the public imagination ablaze. And she didn't really disappoint. Uh, she would dress in men's cl- clothing. She would always carry a whip and pistol she kind of really leaned into this character, you know. Um, she toured all around the west coast of America and then her act kind of evolved into a more burlesque style. So instead of doing the dances that she had been kind of mocked for before and just kind of flashing, she kind of embraced the sensuality of it all and really worked it into her act. 
but the spider dance was a very big part of it and that's actually a version of the Italian Tarantella dance and she played an innocent maid whose clothes had become infested with spiders <laughs> I love that also um, apologies for all the background noise I live on a very busy road yeah and normally we can keep it somewhat under control but it seems to be going a bit nuts today yeah it's really busy but um, yeah hopefully it's not too loud so she this spider dance getting the spiders out of her clothes led to much rummaging around and disrobing <laughs> so it probably would have been tame by nowadays like considering you know like we said like the anaconda video or whatever you know um, but at the time it was like fucking really racy like was she ever called like the black widow I don't think so but she should have been because a lot of her lovers died like pretty soon after and with the spider dance thing because that's what I was thinking as well but uh, I don't know but she should have because you'll find out even more <laughs> so when she was over there she wrote a play called Lola Montez in Bavaria in which she cast herself as the main part I'm telling you this woman is after my own heart I love her <laughs> I really like I like I really enjoy <laughs> I don't think that went anywhere. I think she put on in a theater, but it didn't. It wasn't exactly a you know Broadway. Smashes, yeah. In eighteen fifty three, she moved to San Francisco, and she married another newspaper editor, Patrick Hull. And the marriage only lasted a few weeks this time. She moved to Grass Valley in California for two years, and the neighbors weren't very happy with her because they knew who she was, what she did. I imagine it very like wisteria lane like uh desperate housewives you know like you know mowing their lawn being like that woman blah 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 whisper i'm just loving how much her reputation managed to spread around spread considering around. it was like pre-internet was it pre-phone days oh everything yeah it was yeah. just newspapers but yeah it's funny because what's kind of coming apparent in these few episodes like it's like the tabloid nature of the newspapers then was probably mm-hmm. more so because it was the only form of news you know and I was actually kind of thinking like the Instagram uh, slash Twitter side of like letters to the editor yeah <laughs> you know it's like I'm gonna tell my story yeah <laughs> so that husband died as well yeah he was her husband Patrick Hall he died as well a few weeks after they divorced which is very weird because she's left well a lot of them they've all just died but it's just out of different circumstances Maybe. except the first one he seemed to have lived a long and healthy life to an extent maybe she was a witch maybe or maybe he was like going around and just like Afterwards. knocking people off maybe or she was just with people that lived a kind of <laughs> questionable lifestyle you know I mean that's also possible yeah <laughs> um, so the miners there loved her though in California and they named a mine after her and then she went to Australia and she'd make £200 a night performing all around Australia. Are there any countries this woman didn't go to? I know. Um, she, she was well-travelled. When she was there on one of the nights, an editor wrote something bad about her character. And then he made the mistake of actually showing up in the hotel that she was staying in a few di- nights later. And she found out about it and she went down to the lobby with her whip and hit him across the back. But he had a whip too, so they both ended up whipping each other and pulling each other's hair to the ground. And she challenged him to a duel, but he declined. 
so she's she's badass i really like her she's fiery she's a temper she's aggressive she's my kind of broad you know <laughs> i like her um, she went back to the US and she was in her 30s now and um, so her career as a dancer was soon to end. She kind of knew that that only had a certain longevity. She was really smart as well. So hold on, she was like my age and she's done all this stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> in, in 18, in 18, 30 <laughs> or 18, 40. Yeah, 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 that's what she did. <laughs> but this is really cool. She decided that she couldn't dance forever so she began to travel around giving lectures and talks around all different topics about gallantry, fashion, the cosmic history of love, beautiful women and philosophy. So like essentially giving TED Talks, she published a book called The Arts of Beauty um, where she emphasised the importance of health to beauty. Which she's like an Instagram guru of the a health beauty guru person of like or the 19th century so she stopped touring and she settled in New York and she became, seemed to become aware of her own mortality and apparently she kind of kept a kind of quieter quieter lifestyle calmed down a bit the one newspaper wrote about her that she was living very quietly uptown and doesn't have much to do with the world's people some of her old friends the bohemians now and then drop in to have a little chat with her but she doesn't tell anybody what she's going to do so some speculations was that she actually had syphilis, um, which was incurable at the time. Boom. Others say that she suffered a stroke, that she recovered, but then got pneumonia and died in the summer of 1860. She died exactly one month before her 40th birthday. But she had actually, before she died, she went back to Ireland. Uh, she gave a talk in Dublin in one of her talks, and she was a very different woman returning to Dublin as Lola Montez as she would have been there 20 years ago as Eliza Gilbert it's funny that her name is Elizabeth Gilbert when you know Elizabeth Gilbert the writer yeah yeah. like the travel writer woman been all over the world doing all these things Uh, I just think that's a funny funny I'm also learning that like Irish women probably shouldn't have been called Eliza unless their parents wanted them to be mistresses I love it I love it. I she's my favorite so far because I love how like outspokenly just she was like I'm going to get me a rich man and I'm going to use him to get my connections and I'm going to go here and dance and I don't like she's very like just open and honest and she must have been really interesting all records and pictures are she's very beautiful you mm-hmm. know she's very dark complexion but I'd say she was wild to be around, you know? So I think that your next play should be uh, Lola Montez, a hip opera. Oh my God. Do you know what? I was actually thinking, I was like, for like a bonus episode, I could write like a, a spoken word slam thing, like as her. But then I was like, oh my God, that's really cringy. But I could do it. I mean, we, could do, we can add it as a bonus episode if I don't die of mortification or that or something. But if it was anyway, anyway, good. Yeah, um, no, it is. To be honest, like I'd love to... Th- apparently there's a film about her. Um, I don't know anything about that. I want to watch it. But geez, there should be loads of films about her. But, like, but this is the thing about like, all the women that we're researching at the moment. Like... I think all of them pretty much deserve a film. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Which is... Why we're doing the podcast. Yeah, I'm like, I'll get to work on those scripts. 
No, I love her. I'm for sure going to buy books about her and stuff. I'd love to know who she talked to, what she talked about, how wild she was. She was super risque. She was... Uh, and... I, I love that fiery spirit of starting fights with these men that got in her way. And it, it, it is funny, the comparison between Eliza Lynch and Eliza Gilbert. They are compared a lot in books. That's actually how I came across her when I was doing my research for Eliza Lynch. But I seem to believe, now this is just my own belief, it's not very, you know, hard and fast facts that, like, in my head, the story that I've written is, Eliza Lynch had a love story, you know, whatever. Whereas all records of Eliza Gilbert was like, all she had was her own advancement in mind. Mm -hmm. And I like that in a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So I hope you liked listening to her uh, because I had a great time researching her. If you could follow us on social media, that would be great. We'd really appreciate it. It's Phenomena Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or you could email us. Don't email us nice things. So if you want to follow or subscribe or like or download or any of those nice things and leave us nice comments so that other people can find it, we would very much appreciate it. Yes. So yeah. Great. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.